Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mind Your Business. I'm your host, Stephen Meadows, and this is one of my long-form podcast episodes, and I am thrilled to be joined by my best friend, Lauren Hermes. She is an amazing dynamic agent uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee, and she works with Keller Williams, and she is on the Clarksville homeowner team. I hope I have that correct. Uh, led by another amazing dynamic agent, Heather Eisenman, who I also think is super awesome. So I'm thrilled to have Lauren here today. I'm going to give her a few moments to talk a little bit about herself uh, and her career and her journey in the real estate industry. Um, but uh, we actually met a couple years ago. Gosh, what was it? It must be like six years ago now, something like that. Uh, when I was in the warranty business, I'm sorry. It was 2013. What'd you say, Lauren? 2013. Oh, wow. Seriously? I thought it was like 14 or 15. That's insane. Um, so yeah, a long time ago, I'm feeling really old now. Uh, so Lauren was working uh, as an executive assistant for uh, a, a uh, broker in town and we met at a networking event and she came up to me afterward and said, I like you. I think we're going to be friends. And here we are <laughs> still to this day. So uh, that's enough gushing out of me. I'm going to let Lauren talk a little bit about herself and then we will kick right off into our topic of the day. Take it away, Lauren. Hello, I'm Lauren Hermes. I work out of Clarksville, Tennessee with Keller Williams, or like Stephen said, Clarksville homeowner team. I have been in the real estate field since 2008. I started out as a receptionist, worked at personal assistant, executive assistant, and now I am a buyer's agent on the Clarksville homeowner crew. So I've been licensed since 2013, just got my broker's license in 2020 and extremely excited to get started. Awesome. Yes. And uh, congratulations on the broker's license. I uh, have done that three times. So I know how, I know how nerve wracking it can be to to sit down and take that test. And uh, so I, I was very happy and I had no, no doubt that you're going to pass the first time. So congratulations. So today's topic is actually one that I think is gonna be very interesting. It is, I call it putting the I in team. So, uh, you know, we've both worked on teams. I was on a team uh, before I got out of sales. I was on an REO team, very successfully selling foreclosures in the Nashville metro area. And Lauren is now on a very successful team um, in today's market. And, you know, it's, it's really hard for some people to maintain a personal identity on a team without creating some sort of a conflict where they're splitting their loyalty or their, you know, the team leader worries about, you know, are you really working on my stuff or are you too busy working on your own stuff? And, and I know Lauren has done a good job of creating her own brand, as you can see behind her. Uh, and, and so I'm curious what tips she might have for someone who's out there on a team who maybe loves still being on the team. You don't necessarily want to leave, but you want to still have your own identity. So for me, what I have done is I work a lot with people relations. I believe in building relationships with our vendors I seek people out that are going to help our team and like the handyman, title companies, home, home warranty representatives. I find those and it helps build relationships. And it also helps the entire team 
with their transactions. Because if I can find somebody that's going to save your deal or make your deal go through, then that is benefiting the team. So one thing for me that helps me stand out and build my brand client or um, vendor relationships, they also refer business back to us, which again, helps the team. It's all about in the end production and where you're falling in the market. Something else that I do, I work a lot on my sphere of influence. And from there, I'm able to bring back organic production into the team. I work specifically with a lot of investors. That is a section of the team that is really my, my spot. And the more I do that, I am able to find off-market properties for our team members. What does your buyer have? What does your buyer have? Let me go talk to my investors and I'm able to bring it back. Really finding something within the team that nobody else is doing, that is what you need to focus on. If all of you are working social media, if all of you are going to the same events, you need to find something different than everybody else. And that's going to help you find your spot on the team. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I agree. I mean, I think those vendor relationships are really important. I mean, that's kind of how we we came, you know, to know each other is I was a vendor and you were a gatekeeper and I needed to get in. Uh, but, you know, when you have those, when you have those strong relationships, you, to your point, can really simplify the process. You can help the deals go more smoothly and it just makes everybody better. And, and not everyone focuses on that. And I think it's good to have that specialization on the team, uh, you know, where you're not just a buyer's agent, you don't just specialize in that. You also kind of have those relationships that you have cultivated and uh, you're able to then, you know, make everyone's lives just a little bit easier by uh, bringing in a new element that's going to simplify the process. So I 100% you know, agree with that. So when I was in foreclosures, um, you know, I had a reputation of being very easy to work with. And uh, I, would, I would do a deal and I'd get a contract in and I had a very specific system. As you know, I, I love systems. Uh, and I, the, I would send the contract, the addendum back with this whole uh, cover sheet with instructions and exactly what to do in what spot. And even if the deal didn't go through, a lot of agents would comment on how easy I made it. And you know, my philosophy was always, look, I want to get paid. If, if you don't do the contract correctly and I can't get the bank to sign off on it, we don't get paid. So I'm going to do anything I can to make that happen. I was probably the only one on my team that actually took that step. Uh, and which is why I kind of carved out that reputation. So, uh, you know, is there anything along those lines that you do? I know you said you, you, um, you have the vendor relationships, but is there anything that you do specifically in your business that you think makes you stand out amongst your teammates? Yes. Communication. If I don't know the answer, I always make sure to tell the listing agent, the buyer's agent, whatever side of the deal they're on. I will find out. I will circle back to that. Let me get back with you. If you don't know the answer, do not leave people hanging. Let them know questions been received, working on the answer for you. So that really helps because to touch on what you were talking about, you make things easy and people remember that. They will also remember you made it very difficult. And it almost seems like sometimes agents take these deals extremely personally. And it seems like the minute you're under contract, they're just ready to fight. 
And I don't understand why, because at the end of the day, we're all trying to help, you You know, like our client. And if I can help my client and help your client, let's do it. But we worked with other teams where the team member was difficult to work with. And we remember that. And it kind of does set a reputation for your entire team, not just yourself. So quick response. If they ask for feedback, please give it. I know that agents, they get busy. Sometimes I'm not the best at filling out all of my showing feedback, but please do it. Overall, you just, you need to help your team as a whole. And that is going to make you stand out because I do report back to other teams, team leaders. I'm like, hey, I had a deal with Steven and this is how it went. It was great. And I will also report back if it is the other, because these are things that they need to know. And if you're on our team and you're doing the things, you know, like you're giving the feedback, you're following up with communication, you're assisting, you're trying to be a problem solver. That helps our team because then people do want to work with you. And then they know that if it's coming down to the offers and they see your name on the team, they know that you are going to be a team player. They know that you are going to help get the deal to the finish line. And so that's just what I do. Just communication, feedback, and also reporting back, you know, just like, hey, it was great working with you. Let's do it again sometime. And it just builds those relationships. Again, like I said, relationship building. Absolutely. So you said something that, that triggered kind of a, a, another question. So I'm going to ask you about um, team reputation management. And, yeah. you know, because I think a lot of people, they don't necessarily take responsibility for their role in the in the management of the reputation. They just say like, especially when it's a name, like when the team has a person's name, like team Smith or whatever, well, yeah. that's the Smith's problem. That's not my problem. I can do what I want, but you know, like you said, everything you do reflects on the team. So how, how do you, or how would you recommend agents kind of view team reputation and, and how, you know, what, what sort of activities and what sort of maybe, prohibitions should they, you know, keep in mind when it comes to how they conduct themselves either professionally or personally? Okay. So what I would say is always, always, always when you're with clients, when you're with vendors, watch your language. That is something that I have noticed people let slip because at the end of the day, they get comfortable and people do notice that. As for reviews, if you are for sure that you had a positive experience, the buyer, the seller, they had a positive experience, send them your Google link, send them your Facebook link, send them any platform that you use to record reviews. People pay attention to those. We've had clients contact us and say, we don't know you. We only picked you because you had the best reviews out of everybody that we looked at. At the end of the day, we all want to get paid. We all like, we are doing this for a living we're not doing this as a hobby. And if you are, I don't know what you're doing in this market, but um, if the team is not doing well, you're not going to do well. If the team gets a bad reputation, you're going to get less listings. You're going to get less buyers wanting to work with you. And then I don't know, every team is structured differently. Some people are given leads. Some people are given a lead database that they have to like call email. They have to generate those leads. But if they're not wanting to work with you, that is going to go down and then the whole team is affected. So work on your reviews, work on being a positive presence throughout the transaction. And that is going to overall help the team reputation. It's going to keep the team health up. 
people will want to work with you. They'll want to keep coming back to you. They're going to recommend their friends to you. It goes outward. What you put out goes out and you get it back. So you just need to make sure that you're being positive, you're being friendly, and it's really kind of simple. <laughs> So I, I know your team takes takes reviews very seriously. I was actually in your office one time, like like a like an hour after a you know someone had posted a not so flattering review, probably unfairly. Let's be honest, it wasn't really yep. that accurate or honest. But you know how how does your team how do you guys handle those types of situations? I mean, let's be honest, you can't make everybody happy especially in an intense market, there's going to be times where things don't always go your buyer's way. Things don't always go for your seller the way that they want them to. And it's about how you handle that. We respond to every review, whether it is the best or it is not so flattering. We respond. We want people to know that we see them. We are paying attention. We will, what ends up happening is we read the review, we reach out to them right away. We respond to the review, but we also try to call them and talk it out to find out where exactly it went wrong, if it's not super clear, or maybe just try to talk to them about it and say, hey, we see, we see your side of it, but can we please explain ours? Like, we feel like there's been a miscommunication. Like, what can we do? So we do that. And then we sit down with the team member and we're like, hey, this is what came in. Take us through it. You know, we make sure that we talk to each person involved in, in that transaction that that review came from. And nine times out of 10, we can get them to either like change it or like they'll go by and like revise it. And, you know, like maybe they'll reply back to us and say, thank you for reaching out. We've had that happen several times. And a lot of times it does come down to a miscommunication. And as long as, again, you're communicating and you're reaching out and you're trying to mend those relationships, you can usually get a positive outcome out of that. So here's an interesting thought I just had. So, uh, you know, every team, like you said, is, is structured differently. And so sometimes it's, you're basically just a loose association of people working together and everybody kind of has their own identity. And then other times everything flows from the team leader and everything you do represents the team leader and is on their behalf. But sometimes it doesn't always get communicated to the client necessarily. Like the, the expectation isn't always clear. And so the client maybe sometimes is a little miffed on like, well, I hired, you know, Sally and I never heard from Sally. I mean, I've seen reviews like that from teams where it's like, I hired the Sally Smith team and I never spoke to Sally one time. I got her assistant or, you know, her agent. And they kind of have this nasty tone as if, you know, you're just gum on the bottom of their shoe. So I'm curious, you know, how, what, what do you feel is the best way to sort of handle that expectation? And, you know, if, if you're going to be the one handling the transaction, but they think they're dealing with the team leader, like, how do you, how do you set yourself apart so that they, they feel like they're getting, the full value of the team, even though you're, they, so they don't feel passed off, you know, oh, they pass me off to an underling. So I have an introductory email. Our team leader speaks to every single lead that we get, whether it's a buyer or a seller. And before we are given whatever lead that we're going to work with, she makes sure that they know I am the team leader. You can come to me at any time with any problem or suggestion, or if you just want to talk about something, I am still always here. 
Lauren is here to help me with you. In today's market, houses are going extremely fast. We need to be quick. Sometimes I might already be with a client. And so like she tells them, Lauren is there to help fill in the gaps. And we really just show it like as a service. We don't try to like, we try to make sure that they know that by having a team, you are getting the best coverage. You have somebody who is always at the office working for you. And you have somebody who is always out in the field finding houses, videotaping houses. We have a lot of clients who are not necessarily in our area and they don't have the time to travel in to house hunt. So we have like a video service that we do for them. We make sure that they know that they're getting a package with us. They're not just getting passed off to somebody. She is still in constant communication with them. She reaches out to them by email at least once a week. She sends them text updates. She will call them randomly, randomly just to check in on how things are going. But what I do is I send them an introductory email. Hello, this is my name. This is what I do. I am here for you. I will take care of this, 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 and this. And this is my personal email. This is my personal cell phone. Reach out to me at any time. I always make sure up front to introduce myself so they don't feel like, well, who are you? Where did you come from? And I know that she sends them an introductory email explaining who she is, her experience in the business, and that I will be involved in the transaction. So you need to make people aware up front. Hey guys, it's Stephen Meadows. I just wanted to take a quick second and tell you about something really exciting. If you struggle with trying to find great social media content and are sick of searching and searching for stuff to post every day, I've got a solution for you. I've joined forces with a marketing company and we have created myfreesocialcontent.com and it does exactly what it says. It provides you with free copy and paste social media posts every month. You get about 35 to 40 every month, totally free, sent to your email. These are not just prompt calendars. These are not just things to give you ideas of what to post. It is literally copy and paste. It has the post text, hashtags, and the URL. So you just drop it into social media and you're ready to rock and roll. Go to myfreesocialcontent.com and sign up. It's totally free, no gimmicks. Enjoy. Oh, I agree. I, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big expectations person. You know, I think if you set proper expectations, people are generally not as upset about things because they're not caught off guard. So a hundred percent. So one of the things that I did when I was on a team is I got heavily involved in the association. I did leadership stuff. I was on the CRS boards for the state uh, of CRS of the year, one year, things like that. So, you know, even though I was on a team, I, I never felt like I didn't have an identity on the team. You know, I, I was still my own agent. And I feel like a lot of agents maybe don't take the extra step and they end up just being a cog in the wheel or a cog in the machine. Uh, and, you know, so I guess what are some things that you have done to sort of make yourself stand out in the industry? So I do go to a lot of association events. I will go solo. If nobody on my team wants to go, I go. If there is a lunch and learn that a vendor is putting on, I go. And I talk to other team members. Also, that's something else that I do. I interact with other teams. I find like usually, you know, there's usually like a structure in the team, like people who've been there the longest, I'll find that person and I talk to them. And I'm like, oh, well, what are you doing? And then like we kind of bounce ideas back off because you know Clarksville, we share everything. Like 
It doesn't matter if you're at Keller Williams and you're at Coldwell Banker, you will go to lunch together. You will share information because in Clarksville, we're more of like a family and that's how we all work. So I do that. I interact a lot with other team members. So they kind of know me. They know what we do. They know what properties we have. So then I find them coming to us to try to get help. I also, on my own social media, I brand myself, but I also brand the team. I will put personal photos on my Instagram just because I feel like people like that little bit of personal connection. It's not every day. I'm not putting pictures of my kids on there every day. Maybe once a month, I'll put a picture of my dog or like if we, if somebody brings their dog to the office, I'll take a picture. I put it on there. I try to share everything that is on the group page on all of my social media, but then I make sure that I post things that are just mine. Like you have to find things that are just about you. So whether it is you bring your dog to the office or you take your child to a construction site and like they're looking at something and you take a picture like future builder, you know, hashtag people. I find like people enjoy that and people interact with my posts like that more often than just posting a house or posting my next coming soon or my closing photo. Like they like those little personal touches. As you can see, very personal. My office is super decorated to my taste. So I can bring people in here. And then I feel like when they're in here, everybody knows that I have the bright colored office. That wall over there, I will send Stephen a picture of it, is bright orange and it is decorated with palm leaves and gold frames and my little gray velvet couch. You have to just find what makes you you and just inject it into the team. Like everybody knows that if something is sparkly or shiny, I'm going to love it. So they will like make mention of that. Like for our Christmas tree, they put a picture of me at the top because it was like, if you can't decide between a star or an angel, just use both. And it was my <sighs> picture and it got so many likes and so many like hearts and shares on Facebook. It was crazy. So you just have to like, it's really hard to tell people to just stand out, but find what about you stands out and use it. Like I'm energetic. I will talk to anybody like you. I walked up to you and I said, we're going to be friends and look at how like that relationship sparked so much in my career. I met so many different people. You were a, a warranty rep and you helped me so many times on deals that I thought were going to fall apart because you stepped in and helped me with the warranty and you saved it when I've had other vendors who were like, sorry. So that's really it. Just separate yourself on social media. Obviously always include the team, promote the team, but promote yourself as well. Let people know that you are a part of that team and you are here to make it succeed. And the team is there to help them. And you are a part of that. Great. I love it. So <laughs> this might be a, this might be a topic that you don't really weigh in much on, or you might have to think hypothetically, cause I know you would never, you know, you'd never want to leave your team, but I'll just observe, you know, what I've seen in the past, especially being on the operation side of the, of the business now, and, you know, and being in charge of our recruiting efforts and company growth. And, you know, I, I I'm constantly looking at lists of agents and, trying to decide who's a good fit for our company. And unfortunately, what I see all too often on some of these teams is 
is agents who are basically unable to fish for themselves. So they're basically being fed. No one's ever taught them to fish. Uh, they've just been handed here, do these leads, do these leads. And, you know, and then they, they have a little bit of success and then they think, well, I've, I can do this. I made, you know, X dollars. I did this much volume or I made this much money last year, not understanding that they really couldn't have done that without the team. And then they go out and they fall on their face. Um, and so I guess what would be advice if someone had aspiration, let's, let's just hypothetically, someone had aspirations of, you know, maybe, maybe someday I'll have my own team, or maybe someday I'll at least be out on my own doing this. What can they do while on their team to start developing those skills or, um, you know, do they need education? Do they need to, what skills would you say they need to sharpen if, if someone on a team wanted to eventually go out on their own without, you know, just being cocky about it and falling flat on their face because they didn't realize that, oh, I have to actually do something now and it's not just handed to me. I have to work for it. So education is key. I am licensed in two states. So continuing education is something I feel like I am always doing um, because they don't, even though they border, the states do not um, reciprocate. So the education does not transfer. I have learned so much just by doing different continuing educations. And I'm not talking about just like whatever your association puts on. I feel like they always put on the same courses. So you're not always getting new information. I'll go to like the CE shop. I'll go to like different real estate approved schools and like take different classes. And I have learned so much. So definitely if you're thinking of stepping down on your own, you need to expand your education because if you're not learning anything from your team, if they're not big on training, if you're not getting involved in all of that, you need to know these things because the, the team is also taking care of you. So you don't need to know these things. So if you're stepping out on your own, you need to know them. Also, you need to make sure you have a big sphere of influence. If you are not bringing in your own organic sales, do not step out. <laughs> on your own. Those leads are not just going to pop into your inbox. Like people do not just know who you are if you haven't done anything to um, maintain relationships with past clients. And some teams structure it to where like, yes, you, Stephen, hypothetically, you were given to me as a lead and I helped you close the deal. But I know some teams are structured that you still belong to the team database, not that specific realtor's database. So if you were to leave the team, I necessarily can't work with you anymore. Like it might be against, like if you had a contract with your team or something like that, it might be against that. So you really need to make sure that you are focusing on getting your own organic clients, your own sphere, working off of that. And if you don't have your own database to work off of you, I would recommend staying on the team until you sharpen that, make sure you get your education work on your sphere. Great. And what about someone looking to maybe join a team? So, you know, I see, I see agents teaming up a lot more recently, you know, they, they either, they've got complementary skills. One likes to list, one likes to do mm -hmm. buyers and they just, it's a good fit. Uh, or, you know, for whatever reason, they're forming a team, you know, my, my broker and I, you know, we tell people you need to have a divorce agreement. <laughs> You know, you need to, you need to plan out ahead of time yeah. how it's going to work if things don't work out. It's sort of like a prenup. 
Um, yeah. You know, and, and people are like, oh, uh, well, I mean, just like most marriage, not most, but just like a large percentage of marriages, not all teams are going to work out. Not all, right. not all team members are going to be a good oh. fit. Maybe it might be years, you know, before uh, the team parts ways or maybe someone decides to retire. So I think it's important to, to uh, I wouldn't say defend yourself, but to make sure that you, you have your own interests in yeah. mind when you're negotiating the, the terms of your team arrangement. Don't, you know, don't just give it all away. But I mean, you know, in most cases, the team leader holds the cards. Right. Um, so I don't know if you have any advice from, from that, like, you know, what things to look out for or things to consider when you're looking at joining a team. I think, you know, some people think, I oh, just, you know, I need to be on a team. And unfortunately it's because they just don't know how to get their own business. And so they're, they, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there, the, there's, there's a lot of different facets to the real estate industry. And some people are really, really great at closing a deal, but can't prospect to save their lives. Some people are great at prospecting and they can bring clients in, but they're not great at closing the deals. So everybody has a specialty and that's fine. So please don't take anything I say as a, as a slam against, you know, people on teams or whatever. I was on a team for many years, very successful. And I was more than happy to be on that team. Uh, you know, did plenty of business. And so um, I don't know if, you know, what, what advice would you give if someone was out there thinking, you know, maybe I'll join a team or whatever. I would say be open-minded. If you're on a team, it is not just about you anymore. It is about the greater good of the team. So you need to be open-minded to new ideas. You need to be open to constructive criticism. Don't be so sensitive because if you do something wrong, it can affect the team. And if we're trying to help you work through that or get better, just take it as that. Don't get sensitive. Don't get defensive. Don't get mad. Also, when you're working with the team leader and you're outlining your contract negotiations or whatever it is, however the team sets it up, whether it's a contract, a guide, however they do it, highlight what you are bringing to the team. Let them know, like, this is my database that I've already created. I've been an individual agent for two years and this is everything that I've closed. Show them that you're valuable and it actually might help negotiate your split, your terms on, you know, like, is there a set time that if you join the team, you have to stay on the team, highlight your assets. Also, um, when joining a team, ask if you can do a trial period before signing anything and locking yourself into a team. Make sure that you vibe with all of the team members. Ask them, is there mandatory training do I have to ha be in the office so many days a week for like mandatory team events you need to know these things up front because once you get in on a team you kind of become a family we do training we do exercises we do that and we expect you to be a part of it obviously you are not locked into set hours we don't require you to be set hours you're not an employee but we do expect you to come to team events and if you can't make it let us know you can miss one or two but just really, if you know that you're not a team player, if you know you work better as an individual, a team probably is not the best fit for you. So you need to already know in your head that you can work well with people. Join teams that maybe you've, you've watched on social media and you're kind of like, oh, I like what they're doing. I would do that because you'll probably 
vibe with them. Everybody has a vibe. Every team becomes like a click. And you know, you don't, if you mess with one team member, you now mess with all of them. So you want to make sure that you're in a click or a team or whatever you want to call it where you feel comfortable. And also in that trial period, tell them that you want to meet all of the other team members. Can we do a team lunch? Can we do a team dinner? Or maybe I just come to the office with coffee and we all hang out and just talk about ourselves, not necessarily work. See if that is a good fit for you. You do not want to end up on a team where you're an extrovert. They're introverts. And now you feel like the oddball, like you need to interview different teams. Don't just sign up to the first one that you interviewed with. I mean, unless it just feels like a great fit and you walk in and you know, like kind of like how it was with you and I, like, I just knew like we were going to be friends, like the energy was there, but that's not always going to happen, especially in business. And sometimes, you know, you might walk in and you might vibe with them, but then when you start to look at the structure and the split, you might be like, Ooh, I am not going to make any money. This is not for me. Maintain friendships with them, but don't join the team. If you do not like the negotiations and then you get sour later that you don't like your split because now it's going to yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, there I, I say this all the time. The the easiest way to sour a relationship is to mess with the money. You know, I, I say it on the, uh, you know, on on the especially on the operations side is you know if you start messing with with an agent's money, you know they're they're going to be very unhappy very quickly. Uh, and so yeah, that's why you need to have that stuff in place up front. Yes, real quick. Also, if. If you feel like you need to join a team, if you feel like, you know, I'm doing a couple of deals on my own, but I just feel like I need the security of the team and like the help and the training and the leads. Don't just join because you need that. Join because you want to be like an equal contributor and because you you are 100% fine with the terms set. I have seen a lot of people join teams and they were fine with it. They were fine with their split. They were fine with the amount of leads that, you know, like they were told they'd be given. But then once they get in there, they're like, well, I feel like I deserve more. Like, no, don't join something if you're not fine with it up front. Don't, don't waste their time. So one last thing. Um, so let's say you want to, let's say you're a regular agent, you're out there on your own and you say, yeah. I want to, I want to create a team. You know, I, I see that a lot as well. And usually this probably a very unpopular thing to say. I don't care. Everybody knows my, my position on coaches. You know, there's a big difference between a coach and a consultant and mm-hmm. just someone who's trying to sell you a system. Mm-hmm. So I, I see a lot of agents join, they'll get on a coaching program and the coach basically just like form a team, form a team, form a team. Like that's the only way to grow is a team, team, team. At what point do you feel like it makes sense to form a team? Is it, is it a financial thing? Is it more of a bandwidth thing? Cause some of these people that I see say they want a team. It's like, did you even make enough money last year to be happy on your own? You know, if the answer is no, then what are you doing hiring somebody else to work with you? You, you, you aren't even pr- providing yourself with the lifestyle you want. How are you going to take on responsibility for anyone else? Because that's truly what it is. When you form a team and you're the team leader, you're responsible for the financial well-being of your teammates. Like you're the, you're the rainmaker. So at what point do you feel like someone should consider taking on that kind of a responsibility? So for me, I would say you need to start doing it. I know how many transactions I can handle at one time by myself. And I cap out right at about 12. 
when I'm handling 12 that are current, now I'm not talking about like pre-solds eight months away. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about like clients looking now under contract closing within the next 45 days. That's about my limit. Anything past that, I start to stress out a little bit. So, which I know some agents might be like, oh, that's like amateur numbers or whatever, but it is what it is. And I like to have a certain level of client satisfaction and I cannot maintain that and the communication and my family life and everything else. So you need to start looking at it where, when can you not maintain your schedule by yourself? And also start small. Don't say, I'm gonna create a team and then you get five buyer's agents and you really only have enough room for one. Start small, get that one buyer's agent, make sure that it is somebody you feel comfortable with, somebody that you can trust, that you know that maybe maybe you both do about the same amount of business, maybe you do a little bit better than them and they're open to the idea of a team and you can kind of build it together. I would find a really strong second, like second in command and build with them and set it up from there because then you have somebody that, in case you're not growing enough, you haven't just attached yourself to like three or four other people that are all now looking at you like, please, please. Like, you know, so I would just start small. If I'm going to create a team, I would find somebody that I know can pull their weight in the beginning to help get us off the ground, to build momentum. And then just also help take things off my plate. That's a big reason when um, I speak with Heather, our team leader about being on a team it's just helpful. She has a family. I have a family. I cannot be at everything every time. So it's nice knowing that if she goes away, I can cover for her. If I go away, she can cover for me. Other team members get that same luxury. So make sure that whoever you're going to pick to put on your team, like you can help them with that also. And they can help you with that also. But that's why I'm saying start small find somebody you can trust and build from there. Awesome. Well, this was fantastic. I absolutely loved all of the, uh, the great ideas that you brought to the table. So if someone has a referral for Lauren, uh, what is your, what is your primary market area where, where people listening all over the country to this podcast, millions and millions of followers. Yeah. Right. Someday. Uh, but you know, they're, they're listening and they say, Hey, I might know someone where, where do you work and what areas would they want to send you a referral? So I'm located in Clarksville, Tennessee, right next to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I'm licensed in Kentucky and Tennessee. I work Clarksville, Adams, Springfield, Pleasant View, the greater Nashville area. And then in Kentucky, Hopkinsville, Oak Grove, Kaducah, Murray. Great. Also, so, so middle will- Tennessee, yeah, absolutely. And I love that area, by the way. If, if I, I've said several times, if I ever moved back to Tennessee, Clarksville would be at the very top of my list. I wouldn't move back to Nashville, even though I loved Nashville when I lived there, but Clarksville, I do miss. I still have a lot of friends there. Uh, so I'm going to include Lauren's email address on the uh, video, and I will put it in the description uh, of the podcast and the video itself. Uh, So that way, if anybody's out there and you've got referrals that you want to send to Lauren, you can contact her and uh, you'll get a chance to uh, make sure that your clients are taken care of by one of the absolute best in the business. So thank you again, Lauren, for your time today. It was fantastic. And I I hope everyone learned a lot. So have a wonderful day, everyone, and go out there and make 
awesome choices. Hey, one more thing before you go. I just wanted to tell you really quickly about an amazing service that I think you'll love. If you're in real estate and you are tired of trying to figure out social media content, I have got the thing for you. I helped a friend of mine develop a company called Gnome Marketing Group, and they offer Facebook page management for an incredibly low price. So basically how it works is you sign up, you make them an editor, on your business page and they will post 12 different posts per week. So it's two per weekday, one on the weekend each day for you. You don't have to do anything. They, they have hashtags and everything. It's really great. And it's incredibly cheap. If you go to knowthegnome.com slash coupon, you can sign up with my coupon code, Stephen 45 and get it for $45 a month. That's incredibly cheap for someone to do all your social media posting for you on your business page. Again, that's know the gnome, K-N-O-W-T-H-E-G-N-O-M-E.com slash coupon and use my coupon code Stephen45, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-4-5, $45 a month. It's $30 off. It's an incredible price. I hope you take advantage of it. It's an amazing service. Have a great one.